Hello and welcome to Birkbeck Voices, the monthly podcast from Birkbeck University of London. I'm Andrew Youngson. Each month we're out and about in the college speaking to academics, students and members of staff. Last month we gave a special preview to Arts Week 2016, the annual celebration of arts and culture here at Birkbeck. This time around we're offering up a few highlights from the week itself. Running from Monday the 16th to Friday the 20th of May, Arts Week 2016 featured the widest programme in the festival's history. More than 50 free public events were held across the themes of theatre, literature, poetry, architecture, media and more. And what a success it was. Audiences turned up in great numbers to see what's going on at the School of Arts during the festival. This episode of Birkbeck Voices aims to capture some of the performed elements of the week, offering you a chance to experience what the events were like, as well as an opportunity to hear the performers themselves talk about the background to their work. On Tuesday the 17th of May, students from our Theatre and Creative Writing programme shared their work in progress at the Theatre Scratch Night. From workshops to finished pieces, the audience was invited to experience the processes and products of Birkbeck's creative factory. To give you a flavour here on the podcast, MA Text and Performance students Laura Colleen and Cameron Cook perform an extract of a play they put on during the Scratch Night. I then spoke with its director, Vanessa Vizcara, to see what it was all about. I don't want your company right now, Greg. I know. I don't want your company either, but the roof is the only family free space in the whole mansion, Anne. You'll have to share. You messed with Carol. Yes. You did the most cowardly thing you could have done. Yes. My sister's the only one that's been nice to you, to us. I know. She has her problems. And now, instead of supporting her, you go and become another problem for her to deal with. I know. Shut up, Anne. I didn't mean to shut you up. I am very, very frustrated here. And I know that you are right, and they are right. And I am a loser with no real job who has no business being with you. But I am with you, Anne. And that was your choice. You chose me. You did. I know. And maybe you didn't know what you were getting into, but that's life, isn't it? And now you are into it. You and I, we both are. Yes, I know. And you need to start behaving as if you care. Okay, Vanessa, um, can you just tell me a little bit about what I've just seen an extract of? Yes, this is an extract of um, Anne and the Devil. It's a piece I've wrote for, the, um, for one of the classes in the um, Text and Performance MA. And it's about a woman, Anne, who is involved in a starting with a really nice relationship and falling in love. And then she realizes she's not into a healthy relationship and that uh, becomes a really difficult situation for her. Eventually um, there is a confrontation and a fight and she needs to, um, I mean, she, she actually shots the, um, the man. And that's where Mephistopheles, the devil, appears to her to offer her the chance of changing story, the story, changing life. And that's basically the argument of it. 
And, and the piece itself, what's the, the, the running time of the full piece? Um, I guess it would be something between uh, an hour, an hour and 20 maybe. Okay, and what, and what state of play, because this is a, a scratch night, which we'll get to in a second. Um, so what current state of play is the piece in? Well, we've been reading it, we've been talking about it, and now for this particular event, we have done kind of a editing of some scenes to portray basically what the whole play is about. Of course, it's just an, an editing, so a lot of things missing, but um, yeah, that's, that's basically where we are now. And, and uh, a scratch night, can you tell me a little bit about what that's there to do, what opportunity it gives you? Well, it's just, for me, I think, in regard to this piece in particular, it's a great opportunity to confront it with an audience. And throughout the work we've done to get here, confronted with two wonderful actors that I've been um, able to work with. And just hearing the piece, that's a huge step from uh, just having, you know, a bunch of papers <laughs> with words. <laughs> and uh, what part of uh, the, the MA are you currently through? How, how long have you got left? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, officially two more months, and then we'll probably um, have to go and work on dissertations which uh, is going to take another two months or maybe three, yeah. That was students Laura, Cameron and Vanessa there speaking just before their performance at the Theatre Scratch Night. As well as a showcase for students, Arts Week aims to bring the public into the fold with what staff are up to at Birkbeck. Moving People, Creative Writing and the Refugee was held on Friday the 20th of May at the School of Arts. The event explored how geographical and cultural displacement can change what we say and write. Led by Dr Steve Willey, poet, researcher, critic and lecturer in creative and critical writing, the event took as its starting point output from creative writing workshops in Palestine and the UK. Here, Steve performs two of his own poems, the first, Living In, colon, Slogans, and the second, Living In, colon, Insufficiency, both of which he wrote after carrying out fieldwork in the West Bank. We then chat about the backdrop to the creation of his work, plus its place within the Arts Week event. There is a rusty car built in 1947. They use the word catastrophe. There are no cats here. The chairs are set out differently today. Sit down on this chair and don't move. Don't stand behind me when I eat. Catastrophic. How many laws, bullets, sighs are embedded on black retinas within this word? He prides himself on the age of the rust. Look how the orange flakes. On top a roof, looking over an expanse of green, over a wall, circles of rust and stone, she thumbs his flesh, pressing her thumb into his warm divots. She seems to measure herself by it. The micro-control of a body encircled in concrete can be kind. The concentric circles of the trees grow high and green outside the circular concrete. Then facts. Red flashlights through windows the normalization of violence. You don't go to the best university, you go to the closest, not because of love, but because of checkpoints, which constant, like love, coil you up in some educational space shrinks, I said shrinks. We were handed out t-shirts, 1948, 194, one state solution, 25% down to 13%. The ineffectuality of my stupid memory crackles, sarcastic glints scar, instructions, post your t-shirt home to avoid 
avoid hassle at the airport. Are you Dave's brother? Who is Dave? 4,000 people, 26 different villages. Is that right? Today the word is education. It is mine. The rubble speaks. We are throwing stones on the street. If manufacture, ground, Saleh, my friend, throwing the stones. If researched, copper, lead or steel. We were in the street, throwing stones, it was a game. If taper, primer, propellant, division of labor. Not here, round there, round the corner. If before flight, mold. I saw the soldier here, there, here in the tower. If there is assembly, firm seating. We, Salaire, was on the street, throwing stones. If there is length, there is crimping. Soldier had a sniper, I saw the sniper. If there is moisture, failure of ceiling. I could tell cause it was, it was long. If there is feed, primer is flush. I told Salaire, don't throw stones, the soldier has a sniper. If there is flight, correct charging. Salaire did not listen, he did not listen. If quality control, correct sequence. He came round this, this corner to throw the stone. If alteration, check barometric pressure. I heard some soft thing thud. If slight deviation, adjust for humidity. I did not hear, I did not hear no thing. If vibration, see wind on the casing. Soler is, was on the ground. If mushroom expansion, possible cavity. I did not go up to him, I saw his head. If expansion in cavity, multiple pathing. If paths unrecorded, then this is the difference between the blood on the stone and the blood that he saw on the stone. In the incoercible perfume streets that I am, difference between. I saw the blood on the stone, for it is not here for you to see it, and I saw the blood on the stone, because you were not here to see it. The blood that I saw on the stone and the blood that was there on the stone. When I lied to you, I was a flex of steel cloud, the difference between the blood that was there on the stone and the blood he said he saw on the stone because you were not here to see the blood he said he saw on the stone or the blood that was there on the stone and the blood he said he saw on the stone and the blood that was there on the stone is not here for you to see it before crimson trauma i claim this my liar's right for the blood that was there on the stone said i saw the blood on the stone for the blood that was there on the stone and my blood that was not there on the stone for us to see or not to see it the blood was there on the stone so i saw it when we flew in the cell of our skin braces locked onto teeth this was the truth zaid told whatever you want you can have as he worked out his story as he walked past the wall before all manufacture, there are grounds. Okay, thanks very much for that, Steve. That, that was extraordinary. I mean, the, the the rhythm of that just shows the, the, the experience of being an audience member at a reading. Yes, when you read poetry in your own time, on your own couch, um, you bring um, your own internal rhythm to that and hopefully directed by what's there. Just before we start, can, can you tell me a little bit about the... the um, the performance aspect of poetry and how you find that? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. I think, oh, wow, yeah, the performance aspect of poetry. The thing that I always think about in performance is is the body, is the body and its 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 location. So, uh, when you're performing in front of someone, um, or even to no one at all, you become intensely aware of of the poem as part of you and how you're situated in the world. Uh, and how how all bodies are kind of conditioned by the spaces in which in which they exist and move through. So for me, um, the the point of performance is to perform that social relation 
and something in the poem or the rhythm of the poem is 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 the stage for how your um for how that social relation is becoming embodied um so the, when, when you're trying to read the rhythm of the poem but at the same time be alive somehow to the rhythm of the room um, and you trying to make the rhythm of the poem open enough to, to the room rather than kind of dominating it but how, how that actually works that that kind of conversation um, I'm not I'm not sure but it's something that I kind of sense and, and, and is there and so I'm always really interested in reading um, poems in in different spaces and seeing how that kind of changes the work but also in repetition and this is something in the in the poem is, is every time there's a repetition it's kind of a recontextualization of that line so so the poem itself becomes a body um, which is kind of what, trying to work itself out. So as, as soon as there's a line on the page, the, the body of the poem has changed, and then then the next line is trying to respond to that or alter it. Um, so when you're trying to re read that, it becomes quite a kind of claustrophobic um, experience. But it's also the rhythm is thought. I guess that's that's the point. If, if if I can get to the point where the rhythm is thinking, and it's in your body, then the, then that's that's when the poem is happening somehow. But <laughs> that's the closest yeah. I can get to an answer. Um, a bit about the poem itself then um can you tell me a bit about the the story behind it the background yeah so the whole poem is called living in uh the section uh the second section i read from is from a long lyric poem called living in insufficiency and and the part i read from there um comes out of of an anecdote or a story i was told when i was in the west bank by a um a person called Zaid who who was acting as my translator for that day and I was running some poetry workshops in, in Palestine and um, we uh, were, were talking about um, Palestine and the space and his life then what it was like and I was thanking him for translating uh, for me and being very kind and he started to tell me um, about this particular day which had happened when one of his friends um, was was shot by a sniper and uh, as I was, I mean, I was, I was had a recorder there in when I was traveling and had been recording conversations, not as formal interviews, but just when it, when it kind of seemed right and natural. And um, because Said was six, 16 and quite young and um, been going to Palestine um, as, as a kind of a white Western person with limited Arabic already kind of places you in what you might want to call an ethical dilemma. It's kind of a, mm. um, or it leaves you open to critique. Um, about why you're there and and uh, the right you have to be there and when you start recording people as well there's another kind of openness to critique that you're kind of inviting so aware of all that i spoke to his family members and said you know zaid told me this story what do you think do you think it's okay to record him and um, what, what are your feelings and they were they were quite incensed not by um me asking the question but um by the fact that that they felt um in their words um zaid had been lying um that while um his friend um, had been killed by by an Israeli sniper in the camp that um, Zaid wasn't actually uh, the kind of primary witness to this and I became really interested in in that um, partly because uh, of, of how that I wouldn't call what he said a lie because it seemed to reveal to me a larger truth about the space the want to be a witness to to um, and, and, and a kind of prime recipient or, or the prime teller of this of this kind of tragedy seemed to reveal a kind of deeper truth about the space and and um, inside his attempts to give me a testimony which would make him an authority on on the horror of the situation there seemed to be inside that everything the whole kind of social situation in which I was speaking to him um, from from um, 
Israeli watchtowers, the wall, which we could see the the the, the kind of atmosphere of imprisonment that that kind of pervades the um, the space of Palestine, and and I became like interested in, in in what the limits of testimony in that space, and and how um, the idea that someone is can be a, a witness and that's enough, or that or that's that's um, you know, because often in, in in this kind of work, the, the arts engagement work, it's all about finding someone's story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, tell us your story about how you've got here, and and we like to think that that's. Um, there's some kind of authenticity to that, but actually, what's authentic is 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 this kind of social structures in which that testimony is embedded and has constructed that story. Mm. Um, so the poem is trying to get into that space somehow. Um, so it's not straightforward. It's narrated in a way in which it could be true. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I'm not I- entirely sure about how the, what the poem's doing. Mm. But that's that's the kind of atmosphere out of which it was emerging. What can you tell me about the event that's coming up tonight then? So the Arts Week event tonight is building on the work I've already been doing in Palestine, out of which my poetry is coming. And some of the participants tonight include Julian Maynard Smith, who's running the project called At Home in Gaza and London, which is a really exciting um, theatre project, which is using Skype to to join up in a kind of an acting troupe in Gaza with an acting troupe in London, but mixing the two video feeds so the kind of actors in Gaza and the actors in London can almost come together in a single space Um, you know and that's kind of I feel there's a poetics to their works even though they might not describe it in that way thinking about the kind of the ways in which we could kind of have a community of care or or kind of social relation even across that distance and even even across the space where obviously that the situation of risk for the for the bodies in Gaza the people in Gaza is so much more um, immediate and real than anything that, that the actors in London could imagine and yet they're somehow working together to build a piece together a piece of art and um, and I guess my poetry has been straining towards what they're actually kind of embodying you know I've been going so for me this this event and, and there's there's an academic called Atef um, Alashir from the University of Westminster who's going to be talking about his experience of being a coming from Palestine and teaching in UK universities and the poet Damien Gorman who's um, one of the um, kind of consultant on a project called the Olive Tree Program, which is at City University of London, which tries to bring together Israeli and Palestinian students in the in a degree program. I mean, so all these three amazing speakers are coming to talk um, about their work, I guess, in response to to kind of the occupation of Palestine, but also where they see art in that space so is it a space of reconciliation is it a space of resistance is it a space for community building mm-hmm. and there's not an easy answer to, to what the responsibility sure. of the artist yeah. is in that space and it's something i've been grappling with for a long time and i'm trying to think about the ways in which say the creative writing workshop as it's practiced in the west might be used or, uh, or translated or reimagined once it's placed inside say say a refugee camp in in palestine but that's a, that's a kind of an ongoing question for me and there's no easy answer. And so in part, this event for me personally is to try to work out some of those questions. But for, for an audience, it, I think it's a really great chance, um, really interesting chance to hear three um, very different perspectives on, on how that those problems have been kind of imagined or grappled with. Um, and there'll be a chance for some kind of live writing in the room and things like that. So, yeah. for, um, for for the audience to get to grips with writing, or primarily the panel, uh, the audience, Why? the audience. That's the, that's the plan. So, um, some of the new poems I'm working on leave space um, within them to to it kind of invite participation, invite kind of like writing in the room. 
and I've been running those in in the UK and also in in Palestine with the workshop prompts kind of translated into Arabic. So the so the first stage is to build this kind of uh, collaborative poem through these workshop prompts, which is happening here and in Palestine. But again, there's so many kind of what what might be called ethical problems with that, as if as if the person in a room in Birkbeck is participating on on kind of equal terms with someone living in a refugee camp in Gaza. I mean, there's not one, not better or worse, they're just so different. So what does it mean to construct a single poem which almost um, embodies that, that community? Um, yeah, yeah. The, well, that, that kind of rings with, um, in, in the blurb for the event, there was this bit about, you know, is there a poetic, uh, poetics of displacement? And you're there talking about two very different groups of people responding artistically to a topic. Mm. What are the sensitivities around this in terms of being the audience member in Birkbeck who can go back to a very, you know, nice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, safe living environment back at home to then reflect on something that might be a very different situation, um, you know, on, on the West Bank? What are the sensitivities around a project like this and somebody as a Westerner bringing themselves to this? Yeah, I mean, I, it's not, not not something I have a, have a clear or satisfactory answer to because cause that's kind of risking uh or putting yourself in the place where those sensitivities where you might be kind of accused of not being sensitive enough is almost part of the work because to stop at the point of this is kind of too sensitive to touch um stops you or stops me kind of producing the art at all um it, and, and 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 it's very difficult to know where where kind of the line between an ethical question of what's the ethics of this to to that becoming kind of moralistic of of you shouldn't do it and then Oh, you know, and also to, to a certain extent, I kind of feel any audience member um, has to take that responsibility onto themselves, you know, and, and, and their own reaction to the work. There's no, there's nothing stopping anyone. Um, well, actually, maybe there is something stopping some people, but there's not, there shouldn't be anything ideally stopping anyone going to the West Bank themselves so that this particular poem or my work isn't the only kind of relation that exists between say someone comfortably sitting in Birkbeck and someone in in Palestine it's just a mode of relation another kind of way of of, of connecting those people um the uh, yeah I mean the ethical problems I guess would come if if um if if the writing that and, and the people I was working with in Palestine was somehow being cannibalized um into into a piece of art um, which had no bearing on them. So I'm, I mean, just for my own kind of sense of self, um, up until this point, I've always been working with friends and 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 kind of um, poets who I'm close to in Palestine in with the work. Uh, but but that that kind of sense of friendship is still doesn't kind of insulate you from from the accusation that there's this kind of disparity of 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 um, risk. In, in the in the voices that are constituting a poem, mm. um, friendship is is not a strong enough social relation. Um, it's not immune, mm-hmm. and you know, um, to, to all the all the kind of um, problems that exist in the world. You know, um, no matter how close a friend I am to to say a poet in the West Bank, um, they still have to walk through a checkpoint each day. Mm-hmm. There's there's still kind of their lived experience of occupation is more intense and um, more immediate 
than than my claim to friendship with them, however strongly felt. So it's a for me it's interesting. It's like um, the poetics displacement when it when I'm thinking about that in relation to Palestine is also about the poetics of solidarity, um, and and what what does that mean? What what does solidarity actually mean when it's kind of pushed to its uh, furthest point? Mm. Um, so. Lastly, what, what's uh, what's next for you in this this space in your own work? Um, does that relate to what's happening at Arts Week today? Yes, it does. So, so for me, it's a, the next the next stage of this project is to learn more from from the artists and theatre makers and academics who've already been doing this work for a lot longer than I have, um, and to see what poetry and and the poetry workshop could learn from kind of engagements that have been happening much more radically in theatre or photography or film. Um, you know, the, the poetry reading as a form is, is, and we were talking about performance at the beginning, is quite a static one. You know, uh, the poet reads to a largely silent audience which is sitting down and, and no matter almost how provocative the poem, it's quite unlikely that they'll say or do anything. Um, that's not the kind of, you know, if you go to any drama department in a university, there's kind of a process of engagement that's going on, which is much more complicated than that kind of hierarchical relationship between the performer and audience. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's it's. So for instance, I did a reading last week where yes, halfway through, I invited the audience to to respond to photographs that uh, a friend of mine, a photographer, amateur photographer in in Jalazone refugee camp, had been sending me, um, and asked them to kind of write poems in response to that, which I then sent back to him. And, and so those those poems that the audience produced now kind of accompany his his pictures. Okay. Um, so for me, it's to keep complicating that relationship between the audience and, and poet, keep keep building new work, keep finding ways in which the poem can be altered and shaped by my understanding of of um, of occupation, because it shapes everything. It can do, in in Palestine, it shapes language, it shapes life, it shapes how you uh, perceive the world, it, it shapes how you try to reach out beyond it, and um, I'm just trying to, at the moment, all I'm trying to do is attend to that particularity as kind of ethically as I can, but without letting, letting the question of ethics stop me doing it. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. And that's it for this month's Birkbeck Voices. Thanks for listening. Look out for our forthcoming preview of Law on Trial, the School of Law's week-long programme of free public events, this year themed around the EU referendum. After that, it'll be back to the normal format of Birkbeck Voices. Remember what that was? Don't worry, me neither. As ever, we would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Just drop us an email at communications at bbk.ac.uk. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>